Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. Um, it is my absolute honor to be here. Um, your pastor said it right, kindred spirits. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to preach this morning without Julie by my side, because... <laughs> I really believe she brought the anointing and the fire. I was just standing next to her catching it. Um, the team, what God did for the women, you know, it, it can't be explained in a two-minute video. Hearts were totally changed and paradigms, mindsets were changed. And how many would say we need a change of our paradigm? We need a change of our paradigm. Before I pray, I want to preface what I am going to talk about today. I, I entitled this The Age of Voices because we have weathered a pandemic, political unrest, a racial divide, church leaders falling, and most of it has been done in isolation, right? We've been alone with our thoughts, and that's a very dangerous place to be. And this perfect storm has created a vacuum causing outside voices to rise up. And these are strategic voices. These are voices with an agenda. We have the news media. No matter what news media you watch, they have an agenda. They have an agenda to influence you. We have social media. We have all sorts of voices speaking all over the place. And these voices have replaced the gospel in many homes. CNN, Fox News, uh, uh, MSNBC, whatever letter it is, they have, during this season, replaced the gospel of Jesus Christ in our homes. And our biblical absolutes have come under fire. They have been punched in the gut. And our exclamation points, our thus saith the Lord's, have been punched and have turned into question marks. Did God really say? Yet in the midst of all of this chaos and all of this confusion, there just might be one voice, the voice that makes all the difference, the voice of the one and only Holy Spirit. His voice is being drowned out. And as believers, our greatest privilege and our single most responsibility is hearing the voice of God. That's your, that's your assignment, guys, hearing the voice of God. Drowning out the other voices, hearing the voice of God. Because the voice of God, there's nothing like it. It's incomparable, it's soft and loud at the same time, it's comforting and authoritative, and sometimes we hear it in a sermon, and sometimes we hear it when we're reading his word, and sometimes we hear it when we pray, or sometimes it's just a quickening, it's an intonation to do something, to reach out to somebody. But that voice, it makes all the difference. It's a distinct sound. You cannot ignore it. You may not obey it, but it cannot be denied. I heard that voice in a hotel room in 1975. I was stoned out of my mind. I was cursing God out. 
And this voice, it was not an audible voice. It was an internal voice. It's the voice that fills the hole that every one of us were created with because there's a space inside of us that was made for God and God alone. Money cannot fill it. A person cannot fill it. Nothing could fill it. The world cannot fill it. It's reserved for God because you were made in the image and likeness of God. And when this internal voice spoke to me. He said, Maria, give me your life before it's too late. That voice stopped me in my tracks. It changed my life for eternity. There were a million voices speaking in my life up until the age of 25 years old and voices that screamed at me and yelled at me and told me to stop doing those drugs and stop hanging out in the streets and stop that and what I couldn't be and what I shouldn't be. But that one voice that said, Maria, he knew my name, give me your life before it's too late. It stopped me in my tracks and everything changed. My life has been changed forevermore. 47 years ago. A change of life because I heard the voice of God. Would you bow your heads with me We and put your hand on your heart? But you're not putting it on your heart. You're putting it on the ears of your heart because your hearts have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, in the name of Jesus, open the ears of our spirit that we might hear the voice of God. Let no one say, I'm not a hearer. If you're saved, born again, you have been given the privilege and the honor to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, I've been suffering from vertigo for years. Anybody know what vertigo is? Anybody have vertigo? I'm moving to Miami. Nobody here has vertigo. The vertigo demon has escaped Miami in the name of Jesus. Well, I've been suffering from vertigo probably about 25 years, and it's a vestibular problem. It's an inner ear problem. I have to tell you a funny story. Um, the first time I ever got vertigo, uh, my son asked me, could he borrow my car, and I happened to go home with my husband from a prayer meeting. Thank God he borrowed the car because I would not be here. As we were making this turn, onto another highway, I think that the car is turning upside down, and I am screaming, and my husband has no clue what's going on, so we get home, and he can't get me out of the car, because everything is spinning around, it's upside down, so they call an ambulance, the ambulance comes, they're trying to get me out of the car, I am screaming, they strap me on a gurney, I'm seeing the gurney spinning around, and they have to give me um, intravenous medication to just put me out. So the doctor, we had never heard of vertigo before. The doctor comes to my husband, and he says, she has vertigo. My, the, my husband says, well, what's that? And the doctor tries to explain. He says, well, in your inner ears, you have these crystals. You have these little balls. And her balls fell off the plate. My husband said her balls fell off the plate a long time ago. <laughs> He says, well, that, that explains it all. Anyway, it's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible thing, right? You never know when I'm going to get up. I may get one once a year. I may get 
Like for five months straight, you never know when the room is on a slant. You literally have to crawl to get anywhere because you just can't stand up. So I've, of course, gone to doctors. I've had CAT scans. I've had MRIs, balance tests, balance tests. And the one test I had was a hearing test. That was the simplest test. And they put you in a soundproof booth, and they put these noise-canceling headphones on you. And you have to listen carefully for the sound. And, uh, because the, and the only way you can hear the sound is by leaning in. So when you hear the sound, you raise your hand. When you hear the sound, you raise your hand. And at first, the sound is very clear. You, it's easy to distinguish. And then during the test, they lower the sound. And you have to really listen intently, intently. And you lean in and you raise your hand. You lean in and you raise your hand. And then they introduce this noise, this clanging noise. And you have to distinguish between the noise and the sound. You have to distinguish between the noise and the sound, however faint it is. And with every sound, I turned when I heard because I was leaning in. Now, I scored pretty high from my age. Listen, I'm going to be 72 in December. And um, that's right. You could give me an applause. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Doesn't it annoy you? I don't know if any of you are like over 65, but you go to the movies and you ask for a senior, you know, discount and you want them to say, come on. But they don't do that. And I feel that's very rude. And I am going to write to those movie theaters and say, please pretend, just pretend that you don't think I'm 72 years old. So anyway, I, I scored pretty high. I really did. And I had some hearing loss for my age. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's okay for my age. But it's not okay as in my age in the Lord. It is not okay to have any kind of hearing problem. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the more I should be hearing his voice. I should always be leaning in. I should always be posturing and positioning myself. Hands up. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Yes, Lord, amongst all the distractions, you speak. So the Bible tells us to, in Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Listen, I heard that sound because I was in a soundproof booth. And sometimes we have to soundproof our life. That word still, be still, it means to calm oneself. Quiet yourself from within. But I love it the way it says it in the message version. It says, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everyone. Romans 8.14, it says, For as many that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For, our, for as many that are led by the divine coach, the guide, the teacher, the instructor, there's a dynamic partnership 
is formed. There's dunamis power when we connect ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that if you're walking with the Lord and you're not a hearer, it doesn't mean you're not a child of God, but you don't experience the benefits of being partnering with the Holy Spirit. And do you realize that the Holy Spirit can do nothing unless we obey his voice and carry out his commands. Think about, from the beginning, there were consequences because Adam and Eve heard the voice of God but did not obey it. The Israelites couldn't get into the promised land because they heard negative voices and it cost them 40 years in the wilderness. And on the other hand, Jesus was born in a womb because she heard a voice and she said, yes, Lord, let it be done unto me according to thy will. According to thy will. John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say some of my sheep. It says all of my sheep hear my voice. God has set you up to hear his voice. Do you know that a baby in the womb hears the mother's voice? Before she ever sees the mother, she knows the mother. Listen, before we ever see his face, we already know him because we hear his voice. You're never too young or old to hear the voice of God. Think about this. When a baby comes out of the mom, they wash the baby up and they immediately hand the baby to the mother. The baby's screaming, but then the mother she speaks to the baby, and the baby all of a sudden calms down. She's safe. He's safe because he's in the arms of the voice that he is familiar with. That's why we have to be living in the voice, living in the voice of God. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Revelation 2, 7, 2, 29, 3, 22. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I want to tell you a few incidents in our life of hearing the voice of God. It's so important. Listen, number one, you are part of a body. And a body independent of the body dies. So it's so important that you are connected. And what God does when you are connected in a local body is that you're quickened to text one another or call one another or to give to one another. Or the Holy Spirit might say, listen, sister, so-and-so, she needs a hug today. She needs your smile today. And that's hearing the voice of God. That's just not a good feeling. That's the spirit of God. You have no idea how God's speaking to you and you obeying could change somebody's life. So one day my husband gets up and he says, I need this woman's number. This woman used to serve with us in the Brooklyn Tabernacle. My husband headed the street ministry. He was a lay person, but he had a heart for streets and prisons. So Brooklyn Tabernacle allowed us to have uh, a little choir, whoever wanted to join it, a little band. And I was in charge of going to get the permits. And we had all the equipment in our garage. And we would go out in the streets. And my husband, very scared, he would preach the gospel, and I don't know how or why, but people would end up getting saved. And one of the women, I'm telling you, it is not by might nor power. 
It is totally by the Spirit of God. So don't ever think, well, I'm not equipped. I'm not, I, I could never do that. If God calls you, he'll equip you to do it. And you will see results that will make your mouth drop. And you know it was not you. You know it is absolutely not you. So anyway, he wakes up. And this uh, young lady, she had gotten married and she moved to another state. And she happened to see my husband a few years later, and she gave him her phone number on a piece of paper. She says, please keep this. You and Maria, you know, be in touch with me whenever. So now about two years pass, uh, and she said, I'm married, and I have children. So he gets up one morning, and he says, I need that number. I need that number. And I said, why? And he says, honey, I don't know. I, I'm just so disturbed in my spirit. We have to find that number. So I said to him, well, why don't I make you a little breakfast, and then we'll go hunt for this number, because it was on a little piece of paper. And at the time, he had his little office in our basement, and there were like a million papers on it. He says, no, we have to find the paper now. We go downstairs and we start just rummaging through all of these papers and we found the number. So my husband calls her up and she says, Pastor Durso, she says, my husband walked out on me. She says, I just put poison in a glass. I was going to give it to my children and drink it myself. She ended up, we moved her back and she has been in our church for 20-something years. I mean, the power of God. Now imagine, imagine this is what we do. Oh, that's probably my imagination. Well, what, what if she doesn't really need me to call, and I'm going to call her and make her think something's wrong when it's not wrong? You know all the mental gyrations we go through right? Instead of just obeying the voice of God. I once read this, an old preacher said, tomorrow is Satan's today. Stop putting off tomorrow what you can do right now because it's obedience that matters. When God quickens you, now is the time, right? When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priests who are carrying it, move out from your position now and follow it, not tomorrow. You can't get a birthday invitation and say, well, I can't make it today. I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> How silly. That's, we can't do that with the voice of God. The invitation is now. I have another story because that's from, the first story was a quickening. The second story, I told them yesterday, I told the ladies yesterday part of the story. We have a tree, we had a tree in our backyard. It was a huge pine tree. And it was so huge, like it was on my property, my neighbor next door, my neighbor diagonally, and my neighbor in back of me. So we're in New York, we don't have a lot of property. And this was the most beautiful tree in the world. I think everybody's enjoying this tree like me, right? But obviously, it annoyed them. And that's a sermon for another time because you think that you're, everyone's enjoying you and they're not. Anyway, so, so anyway, I walk around the corner with my granddaughter. At the time, she was like, she was 10 or 12. She's 21 now. And um, she, uh, we mailed these letters. And I am not a walker. I'm a rider. I usually just get in the car and go around the block. I did tear my meniscus. I said, sure. I took my, menis my knee out for a walk. My knee said, 
we're not walkers, we're riders. Look what you did to me. We've never walked. We never walk. But I walked around the corner with my granddaughter. You know, I wanted to be Nana-ish. So we put it in the mailbox, and all of a sudden, I see this new guy, the diagonal guy. He's a new neighbor. I said, hi, I'm, I'm your new neighbor. I said, he goes, oh, the one with the tree. I said, yes. So he says, um, he says, well, you know, uh, if you ever want to take the tree down, me and your neighbor next door. My neighbor next door never said a word to me, but this guy's here for three weeks. They already had a conversation around my tree, right? And he says, you know, if you ever want to take it down, we will give you the money. And I said to him, no, that's my tree. That's my issue. So I walk away, and my granddaughter, who's from New York, she's like, Like, Nana, who does he think he is? That's your tree. And I said, I know, but the Bible says, see, because we hear God's voice through the word. His word changeth not. The Bible says, as long as you're able, you are to live at peace with all men. I said, I got to take that tree down. So I go home. I tell my husband. He says, yes. We have to take it down. The next day, I called the tree service, and the tree service happened to be in the neighborhood. I didn't want them to be in the neighborhood, truth be told. I just wanted to act like I was obeying God. And then I would have said, well, God, okay, I did it, all right. But the tree guy comes over, and he takes the tree down. I'm in my bathroom. I am watching this beautiful tree, and my backyard was like a little naked, pitiful. And now I could see everybody, people I've never seen in my life. I see the park across the street. I see the people picking their nose all the way at the end. I see the neighbors, all of them, and here we are. So the next day, me and Penny, we leave to go to Texas to do a conference, and I'm taking pictures of trees. And the pastor says, what are you doing? And I said, well, uh, you know, and I give him the whole sob story. Anyway, uh, that Thursday, my daughter-in-law calls me, and she says, Mom, call me back. It's an emergency. I call her back. She says there was a tornado in New York, and she said all the trees have been ripped out of the cement. They are everywhere. And the tree guy said, had you not taken down this tree, you would not have a house. It would have crashed. Here I think I'm doing something for God, and God is doing something for me. Listen, listen. It gets better. The next year, I go for my yearly walk around the corner to mail the letters. Guess who I see? The neighbor. And I go, hi, uh, remember me? He says, yes, the one with the tree. He said, thank you. All of a sudden, the wife comes out. She says, now I know who you are. She says, I've been watching you. Of course she's been watching me. She could see everything we're doing. She says, I've seen you and your husband. I couldn't place you. But now I know who you are. I've been visiting your church. Could you imagine if I would have said to the guy, and then we have a cross on our bumper sticker, and we are Christians. One more, one more, because maybe this is for someone for you, and then we're going to go on very quickly. Uh, Thanksgiving, years ago, I invite like 100 million people, 
and we have a stove, of course, in the kitchen, and we had a stove in the basement, this little old stove. So I was putting the pennil in the oven downstairs. That's right, I'm Italian, but I make pennil. So, you know, because turkey just does not do it. But you got to do it because it's Thanksgiving. Anyway, I go downstairs, and the basement um, of, oven, you had to turn a key to put the uh, flame on. So we, I have the pennil in my hands, and my husband has, is turning the key on, and he has the match in his hand. And as we turn it on, we hear, and the smell of gas just comes. So my husband shuts it off, and uh, we said, what should we do? So then we put it on again. He's about to light the match, and what should we do? And I'm thinking to myself, God, I got to make this penile. You know, the turkey, you know, I don't have enough to feed the people. This is, and then the third time, and we feel the Holy Spirit say, do not light that match. What we discovered was we put new linoleum in our basement, and the guy forgot to connect the gas thing. We, we would not be here. But all of that to say, you know what? When you're going to do something in your life and you hear a don't like the match. You may be getting married, but you hear a don't do it. You may be wanting to move and you hear that don't do it. Don't do it. Don't strike the match because God is giving you a warning. It may be young people. It may be some of your friends that you're hanging out with. Don't do it. God is giving you a warning. He doesn't want your life to go up in flames. Amos 8 verse 11. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. Notice a famine, not a famine of God speaking, a famine of hearing, a famine of God's people hearing. And that word hearing, the biblical definition, means to be in sync, to give audience to, to pay attention. And we, when we don't hear, we don't adhere. When we don't regard, we disregard. Do you know you could be a faithful church attendee and not be a hearer? Ezekiel 33, 30, and 31. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. I don't know if you know who Ezekiel was, but Ezekiel was the man of the hour. He had a mega church. He was the prince of preachers of the day. He was the T.D. Jakes. And people loved to come to church and listen to what he was saying. So God is telling Ezekiel about the people that are coming in his building. He says, uh, he says, uh, they, they say, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and set before you to hear your words, but they don't put them into practice. See, in Ezekiel's day, it was culture just like us. They, they feel good. My brother, if you could just play underneath me, thank you. They, it's a form of entertainment. They love the music. If there were fire emojis in the chat room, they would be putting fire emojis. They would say, preach, but they really don't want instruction. They're hearing, but they're not 
hearing. Mark 4, 12 says, ever hearing, but never understanding. Luke 8, 18, take care how you hear, because how you hear is internal. Mark 4, 24 says, consider carefully what you hear, because what you hear is external. How we hear affects what we hear. And what we hear will affect how we react. Be very careful how you hear. Elisha, you know about Elisha, the great prophet. He was a hearer, right? He hears the Lord tell him, go to Ahab the king and tell him it's not going to rain. It took courage and obedience. And he hears the voice of God and he obeys and he stands before the king. He takes his life in his hands and he says, it's not going to rain except at my word. And you know, there's a whole bunch of crazy things God tells Elisha to do. He tells him, go to the brook, Zarephath, and the ravens are going to feed you. And he goes and he obeys and the ravens feed him, just like God said. And then the brook dries up, but God never fails. He tells him, go to this place, Zarephath, he says. And that was the hometown of Jezebel's father. And God is saying, go there anyway. I'm going to hide you in the presence of your enemies. And then he says, go back and tell him now it's going to rain. But the Bible tells us in James 5, 17, it says Elijah was a man just like us. It tells us in the New Living, Elisha was as human as we are. The man just like us lives in the, the tension of the internal and the external. The man just like us has a weak side. Imagine that. The greatest prophet has a weak side and he's subject to feelings and moods. And the seasoned veteran gets an attack of spiritual vertical and acts totally out of character. And at his most vulnerable time, Jezebel sends a message. He hears a negative message and he runs for his life. In the, in the translation from Hebrew to Greek, it reads like this, you are Elisha, but I am Jezebel. She was pitting her name against his name. And she uses this tactic of intimidation, which absolutely the world is using against the church in this hour. It's saying, you're the church, you may be God's power, but we're the world power. You may have the word, but we're going to have the last word. That's what culture is doing to the church. We better wake up because it wants to shut the church down. And she turns his exclamation point into a question mark. And what does Elisha do? He isolates himself and he's in a cave all along, all, all alone with his feelings. And let me just say this. Emotions are the greatest distorter of revelation. Emotions your emotions that do not come from God's word, they will distort the revelation God wants to give you. And he's alone in a cave with his feelings. And you know what being alone, because we experienced during COVID, what being alone, this season has turned the most amazing men and women into cavemen and cave women. And in just 24 hours, the man who outran the chariot could hardly stand up. See, hearing the wrong voice will send you in the wrong direction. Be careful who's speaking to you. 
and it will produce negative feelings and those feelings are the graveyard of faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. See, the enemy doesn't want us to hear God's voice because people that can't hear can't speak. We become mute. The enemy wants us mute. Bible, Romans 10, 14, and how will they hear if no one tells them? If we're alone with our feelings, isolated, how are we going to speak about the goodness of God to people? The enemy wants to shut us down. So the angel comes to Elisha and he says, what are you doing here, Elisha? He didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, what are you doing here, Elisha? He says, what are you doing here, Elisha? Because the voice of God brings restoration. This was an invitation for Elisha to reflect, not to deflect, right? What does he do? He takes it as a correction. He says, I'm the only, I'm the only. No, don't deflect. Don't make an excuse. God is saying, what are you doing here? I don't know if you have online, but people that haven't come back to the building, what are you doing home? There's a body that needs you. There's a body that loves you. And then he says, get up and eat for the journey because the voice of God always brings refreshment. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And Elisha gets up and he finds this, this bread and water, this hot bread and a jug of water. And listen, when we need refreshment, don't go to any earthly substitution. Don't go to a bottle of wine. Go to the water of the word. Go to those living waters. Get some hot bread. Get a rhema word from God when you're feeling like worn out. And then he says, get up and stand before me because the voice of God always renews. And the single most important thing we ever need to do as believers when we're in that state is to get into the presence of the Lord. Remember, his voice wasn't in the wind and it wasn't in the earthquake and it wasn't in the fire. But you have to be leaning in. It's a still small voice. He says, go back the way you came. The word of God reminds. Go back, retrace your steps. Remember the promises. Remember the call of God on your life. The world may have changed, but I have not changed. It's not quitting time. You've been bought with the price. You don't own yourself. And re Elijah receives a second wind. He receives the pneuma because the voice of God revives. Listening to the wrong voice sent him in the cave and listening to the right voice got him out. First Timothy 4, it says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers. Wow, there's a great number of teachers that will say with their itching ears, pet their flesh. You know, the pastor has to be a masseuse. He has to rub people the right way because church has become a spa. And if he doesn't rub them the right way, they go find another spa because people don't want the truth. When you leave church and you always feel wonderful, there's something wrong. We need, a, we need to know the diagnosis. Know there's hope. We can always change. But there's nothing good inside of us. Nothing good. It says these people will turn their ears from the truth. 
you'll still come to church. You'll still say, preach. They'll turn their ears from the truth. In other words, the body of Christ at large has stopped leaning in. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult and don't be stubborn even when I take you where you don't want to go. Don't make me tug at you and pull you along. Just come with me. God is saying, I just want you to be yes men and women. Just say yes to me. God wants us to be first responders, those that hear his voice and obey. Like in Samuel, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. How many would say, God, I want to live a life. I want to posture myself. I want to be leaning in. I want to position myself to hear your voice. Because it's a short voice, like in that hotel room, God didn't have a whole dialogue with me. It was, Maria, give me your life before it's too late. He doesn't repeat himself. But I knew God spoke to me. And some of you are in this room and God has spoken to you. And you've not really obeyed him. You know, like we all love uh, ways. Uh, Pastor Gabby was talking about it yesterday. We love ways. I love ways. But I only love ways when it's telling me the way I think ways should go. The minute ways tells me to go in a different direction, I think, well, what do you know? Because she saw four blocks ahead. I didn't. We want to be people that don't shut off the voice of God, even when we may not agree with it, even when it may seem silly. And if you're in this room today and you would say, God, I think there's just two sets of people. There are people that say, God, I want to lean in closer. That's me. I want to lean in. I want to always be leaning in. I want to distinguish between the sound and the noise, no matter what's happening in my life. But then there are some of you, God is telling you, get involved. Do that. And you've been resisting the Lord. And you know it. And you can't take another step forward. Because... There's nowhere else to go except in the will of God. And if you're an either one of them, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you. Some of you, I want to lean in closer, Lord. And some of you are saying, God, you've been speaking to me. And it sounds so outrageous for me to do something like that. But God is saying, you're asking me, Don't shut me off. Father, I thank you because we are believers and believers believe your word. And I am asking, oh God, that you would lead us into paths of righteousness. You would make us be people that position ourselves to lean in, raising our hands, saying, yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Yes, Lord. And God, for anyone in this room that has heard the voice of God, you know you shouldn't be going in that direction. 
You know you should be stepping up and doing what God has called you to do. God has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So in the name of Jesus, let each and every one of us be obedient to him and his voice alone. Because his voice is really all that matters. Amen and amen. I want to ask you to close your eyes for a second right there where you're at this morning. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is using this message to speak into your heart. So just close your eyes right there. And take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me through this message today? What do you want to tell me? What's your challenge to me today? There's no better place to build your life than upon God's word and upon what he wants to do in each of our lives. There's a verse in the Bible that Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And he's talking about standing in the door of our heart. And it says, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, 
and opens, I will dine with him and he will dine with me. It's not talking about Jesus going to a restaurant with you. It's talking about Jesus wanting to have a relationship with you. There's this image that I've seen many times of Jesus standing outside of the door, but on his side, there's no knob. The knob is on the side where you are. And he's saying, if you hear his voice and you open, he will come in. He'll have a relationship with you. You see, there's people here this morning that God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him. You find yourself at a, at a place in your life, but God says, for this season in your life, you shouldn't be much deeper than where you are right now. I wish you were at a different place in my relationship with you. That's his voice for you today. Now, for others here today, that voice is saying, I want to enter a relationship with you. You still don't know me, and I want you to get to know me. So today, there's an invitation that I want to give to you. Jesus says in his word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, there's a relationship God wants to have with you, but the way to have that relationship is through Jesus. And the Bible says, if you come and you follow him, you become a follower of Christ. You become a son or a daughter of God. You find forgiveness for your sins. And today will be the first day of the best day of your life. And if today you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I want to make that decision. You're watching through that camera. You say, I want to make that decision. I want you to bow your head right there where you're at. I want to lead you in a prayer. I made this prayer many years ago. A lot of these people in this room have made this prayer. I don't know nobody that has received Jesus into their life and then repent of the decision that they made. So we're there with your eyes closed and head bowed. I want you to repeat with me, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you so much for dying on the cross to pay for my sins and resurrecting on the third day to give me eternal life. Today I take hold of that eternal life that you are offering me. And I declare that I am a son or daughter of God, not through my own power, but because of what you have done for me. Father, now I run into your arms and I receive your gift. And I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and allow me to live the days that you have for me for your purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.